good morning, afternoon or evening. Welcome to our next online gathering together. I've kind of lost count as to which one we're on, um, but it's been a while, hasn't it, since we've seen each other face to face. So as we gather, wherever you've come from, uh, even if you don't normally join with us, you're very welcome. Um, we are desperately needy people, aren't we? Um, food and drink. Um, if we skip a meal, um, we soon notice. I don't know if you're like me, um, getting lightheaded. Maybe if you skip the meal, um, or maybe more commonly grumpy. Um, or what about oxygen? What about air that we breathe? I remember once hearing Tom Cruise talk about preparing for an underwater scene for an upcoming movie, and he practiced and practiced with free divers, and uh, he managed to get his body to stay underwater for six and a half minutes. That's mildly impressive, but even after six and a half minutes, uh, his body needed air. Um, we don't survive long without these essential things. We don't survive long with these things physically, but certainly we are needy people when it comes to our spiritual needs too. And uh, and as we gather this morning, uh, I don't know how your past week has been. I don't know what you're facing today. Um, but I pray that as we gather that Christ would meet our needs as our bread of life. As we read his word, that he would become real to us. And that we would become spiritually nourished from our gathering. As we're reminded in Colossians 3... Let me read a couple of verses. It says that, Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of your house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. And sing, sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. So before we gather and before we do sing and sing praises to God, let's pray together now. Lord, as we gather, Lord, we give you thanks um, that you are the supplier of all things that we need. You give us the food and the drink and the oxygen that we need every day, but you also supply all the spiritual needs that we, that we need. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the bread of life. We thank you for Christ. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that as we come... Lord, that it would dwell in us, that it would nourish us. Lord, forgive us for all those times this week uh, in the things that we face where we haven't trusted you, where we haven't leaned into you, where we've gone our own way. And Lord, straighten out our paths that we may walk in step with you. Amen. Well, as we sing, as the Colossians reminds us, we are going to sing the great hymn, Be Thou My Vision. So let's sing that together now. Let's hear God's word together as we read Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Amen. Good morning. Um, I hope you're all keeping well and you've been able to enjoy something of the summer, even in these strange times. 
one of the things I've been um, trying to do over the summer is to catch up on all the books that I was meant to read last year for Union and didn't. Um, and one of the re- one of the books I've been reading is a uh, by a guy called Dan Strange. It's called Plugged In. It's all about how we as Christians should be biblically engaging with the culture that we're a part of, with the world around us. It's a it's a, it's well worth a read. But one of the things that he mentions in the book that really jumped out at me, and I, as I came to think of this psalm, it just kept coming back into my mind. He, he talks about our world as being made up of sunshine and shadow. And how God uses both of those things to draw people to himself. The sunshine are those moments in life where we perhaps see the world just a little bit more the way it was made to be. Perfect filled with God's goodness and how it will one day be again for those of us who follow Christ. That cracking view from the top of Donard, that piece of music that just lifts our soul, that sense of of togetherness and community that takes place at a, a football or a rugby match, that moment in the movie where the hero makes that selfless sacrifice to save others. These are little moments of sunshine. Moments that show us the goodness of God that still exists even in this fallen world and us fallen people. Little moments that God can use to point us to himself as the source of of all light and goodness. And then there's the shadow. All those difficult moments. The pain, the hurt, the sorrow, the pandemic. The problems that we cause to ourselves and others because of the effects of sin. All these things remind us that the world isn't all sunshine. That something has gone terribly wrong. And again, God can use these things to draw us to himself. As the the only one who can deal with the darkness and, and bring us into the light permanently. Because of Jesus. Psalm 126 is a psalm of sunshine and shadow. A psalm that highlights God's goodness in the world and to his people, but also shows us a world gone wrong and in desperate need of God's rescue and continued grace. What we see is that both in in sunshine and shadow, the people keep their eyes fixed on God, on his promises. And it leads to them being able to keep true perspective regardless of the circumstances. And as we think about it this morning, hopefully we'll be able to see that no matter what, we need to keep our eyes and our lives fixed on our promise-making, promise-keeping God so that we can have true joy and peace in the sunshine and perseverance through the shadow, knowing that God's joy And peace will come again and ultimately will be ours forever. Psalm 126 is one of the the songs of ascent. The songs the people would have sung as they made their way up the hill in Jerusalem towards the temple. The place where God had allowed his presence to rest in a special way. So that he could be and live among his people. These were the songs that people sang as they fixed their eyes on God, as they made this pilgrimage to the temple to ask for forgiveness and to give God the glory for all that he had done for them and promised to them. 
Verses 1 to 3 seem to recount the, the Israelites' return from exile in Babylon. This incredible moment of God's rescue and care that was almost unbelievable. Verse 1 describes it as being almost like a dream. It was so unexpected, so unheard of. In the ancient world, ruling powers would, would often invade other nations and take land, property and people into captivity. But for the king of one of these nations to turn around and free a captive nation, that was unheard of. And not only this, but that this king who had held them captive gave them resources to rebuild their capital and the temple to a god that he didn't worship. And this, this wasn't because King Darius was looking to, to set up a buffer zone between himself and a hostile nation. He controlled all the land around Israel. And he didn't need to set up any sort of ally for Persia because many of the Israelites were, were already conscripted into his armies and his government. No, the opening verses of Ezra make it clear that there is no earthly reason for this change of Darius's heart. It is because God, in his sovereignty, and his control over all things, moved Darius, this ruler of an oppressive nation, to allow this remnant of God's people to return to the land that God had given to them. And this, this restoration, it takes place almost exactly after the 70 years that Jeremiah had prophesied God would exile Israel as a punishment for their continuous sin. See, as with all things, God has his hands all over it, restoring this remnant of Israel for his glory and through which Jesus, the, the source of his true and everlasting restoration, would come about 500 years later. The beginning of this psalm was written as a response for all God had done in this amazing, almost unbelievable act of grace mercy and power and what is their response it's to laugh and sing and shout with joy not just about how good their life now is but how good their god is they say the lord has done great things for us they've been freed from bondage return to their land they've they've worked hard to get the walls and the temple and their houses rebuilt they've struggled trying to put back together this community whilst facing intense opposition as Ezra and Nehemiah tell us but interestingly they're not interested in in celebrating their own ingenuity or abilities or newfound freedom and prosperity instead they look around at all that they now have. And they recognise that everything that they own and everything that they are is a gift from their loving, forgiving, merciful Father. And so they give him all the glory. They recognised that all the, the sunshine, all the good things in their lives were gifts from God. Meant to lead them to glorify and worship him. I wonder, is it the same for us? When God has blessed us, 
when we look at the gifts that he has given to us, the abilities, the jobs, the homes, the healthcare, the food and water that we all have access to, our friends, our family, our church community, which we've, we've all been, been missing deeply over the last while. Do we respond to those gifts by praising and glorifying the God who has given them to us? Or do we look at all that we have and all that we are as products of our, of our own achievement, of our own good work? When things are, are going well for us, the temptation is, is not to glorify and worship our God more. It's to forget him. To forget that, that everything in the universe is held together only by his continuing grace towards us. As Colossians 1.17 reminds us. That whether we believe in him or not, whether we follow him or not, we are completely dependent on him and his mercy at all times. And yet, when life is good, how quick are we to leave God on the sidelines and get on with our lives as if it's all about us. I wonder, have you, you maybe forgotten what proper sunshine looks like over the last few weeks? But do you remember back to the start of lockdown when it was just glorious sunshine every day for weeks? And lots of us were out sunning ourselves in our back gardens, our front steps. I even saw one person who, who lived a few floors up in a flat. I was walking past and I just saw them sitting at the window with their legs dangling out. Well, the way we, we are so often tempted to get on in the good times. It's like somebody getting a, a lovely tan from sitting outside, but denying that the, the sun had played any part in it. This is, this is my tan, which I got from my hard work. It's a bit of a silly example, but just as it should be plainly obvious to that person that their tan came from the melanin in their skin reacting to the sun's rays, it should be just as obvious to us who know something of who our God is, that God is the one who provides everything good that we have. And our response should be praise and thanksgiving to our Father in heaven who loves us and who pours out his undeserved blessings upon us. That is the reaction we see from the Israelites in this psalm. Joy, laughter, gladness that God has rescued them from captivity and restored them to Israel. But shouldn't our joy and our laughter and our gladness not be so much greater than theirs? Because we live in an incredible age. We live in a time when we know what God went on to do. Where God has not just given us earthly fleeting blessings to point us to him. But he has sent his son to show us how to live. And ultimately to die as a sacrifice. Taking that sin and punishment of those called to follow him onto himself. And instead poured his righteousness and goodness onto us 
so that we can now stand before God clothed in Christ as not just his his forgiven subjects but as his beloved children. Those of us who, who have responded to God's call and put our faith in Christ's finished work we're rescued from the the fair and just punishment that our sin deserves and are instead welcomed into this better life with Christ and an eternity of perfect joy and laughter and peace. The reality is that that every day, maybe even, even every minute of every day, our lips should be crying out, the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy let's just take a a few moments now to respond to that by sharing together in the in the singing of a, a song that reminds us of who our god is and all that he has done for us we're gonna sing together now behold our god just before we we move on to think a little bit about verses four to six i just want to pick up on one other little thing that we see in the first three verses of this psalm and that is for for people who live in the way that we've been describing with our eyes fixed on God living in the joy and real and full life that Christ offers people are going to notice in verse two the the nations recognize that God has done great things for them their lives were, were far from perfect They faced struggles and difficulties. But the people around them were able to see their joy and peace, regardless of their circumstances. And they heard from their lips that their God was the reason for this joy. I wonder, do others see the joy and peace of the Lord in us? Do we look different from the world around us, the community around us? Not in a a we're better than you way, because we're not. Everything that we have, everything that we are is because of God's goodness, not ours. But in in an attractive way. As you live in and serve this community, as you sit a a meter or two away from, from work colleagues or your school friends, as you meet with friends and family in your homes and gardens, as you raise your your children or grandchildren or spend time with your friends and family's children, are you demonstrating the joy and peace and true life that comes from being a disciple of Christ, a child of God? Are you shining that light into the darkness of the world? Do people notice anything different in how you work, how you react to difficulty, in how you speak and in what you say? Do you live out your faith in both word and deed like the Israelites in this psalm, keeping your eyes fixed on God and pointing people to him that they might walk in his sunshine as well? I wonder during this time of of continued fear and tension how you might continue to do that, to shine that joy and peace of God into other people's lives. So we thought about verses 1 to 3. Keeping our eyes fixed on God when things are good. 
when we're, we're in the sunshine. But life isn't all sunshine. We see that in, in verses 4 to 6. And this, this cry for God's restoration. We're not totally certain what's gone wrong. We know that Israel, after their return from exile, did face difficult droughts and famines. And this could be about the, the physical struggles that they're going through, which fits the, the language that's being used. But we also know that it wasn't long before many in Israel who, who would have joyfully sang the first half of this psalm had slipped back into their old ways of forgetting God, of worshipping other things and living for themselves. So these verses could be about a, a spiritual drought and famine. And the reality is it's probably both. And the same is true for us. Some of us really struggle with the, the realities of this fallen, broken world. We just seem to be constantly facing difficulties and problems. Whether it's with work, our health, our family. Whether it's the struggle with, with sin that we just can't seem to break the hold of over our lives. And we maybe begin to wonder, God, what, what are you doing? When will this end? How am I meant to keep living for you when everything around me is falling apart? Maybe it's not as dramatic as that for you. You've been a Christian for a while. You, you remember back to when it was exciting and new and you, you really were filled with that joy. And you wanted to tell others and show others. But over time, as life has continued, it's just slowly eaten away your joy. And you can't even really remember the last time you picked up the Bible for yourself. Or took real time to pray. The shadow just seems to have crept in. And the sunshine just doesn't seem so bright anymore. Again, the, the difficulties and the problems and the fallenness of our hearts and this world tempts us constantly to take our eyes off God, which is just a disaster for our lives. The psalmist recognises that this world is broken, that as God's people, while here on earth, we're going to face hardship, difficulty and the effects of sin in our hearts and minds and the world around us. But the psalmist is saying here that the shadows we face, the fallen things of this world, shouldn't distract us from God but should remind us of just how much we desperately need him. And they, they go on to claim that, that living for him in the shadows, sowing the seed, spreading his word, glorifying him and persevering in the difficult times, those, those times of tears, should lead to even greater joy. That's a, a hard truth to understand, isn't it? I once heard it described in, in terms of exercise. If you're someone who, who exercises regularly, you'll know that you, you don't just keep getting better. The first time you go for a run, it will likely go pretty well. But a few days later, when you try to go again, it'll probably be much harder. Your muscles will be sore. 
Your breathing might not be as good. Your pace might be less. And you might be tempted to just give it up as a bad job. Maybe that's been your experience over lockdown. But in reality, during that that difficult run, and the difficult runs to come, your muscles are really getting stronger. And one day when the pain and the struggle has passed, you'll be able to run so much further and faster than you could before that struggle. It's a similar thing with our faith. When times get tough and we're tempted to give up, we shouldn't. We need to keep our focus on God. Reading his words to us in scripture. Hearing what the God of the universe wants to say to me, to you. We need to keep praying. Bringing our lives and problems and confessions and thanksgiving and praise before our Father who cares and listens and responds in the way that is best. We need to keep meeting together with other Christians, sharing our struggles together as a family should, encouraging each other, loving each other and building each other up. And we need to keep living for God and sharing him amongst others that they might see how even in difficult times, God is good. And perhaps you, like the psalmist, might come home with shouts of joy, bringing a harvest of others with you. In times of of struggle, we need to keep building those spiritual muscles because they are the lifeblood of the Christian. Without them we, we, we wither away. But as we grow them, we grow as faithful, joyful disciples. Psalm 126 reminds us that when life is good and when life is difficult, we need to keep our eyes fixed on God as we make our pilgrimage through this world towards glory. Because it is only when our eyes are fixed on God and all that he has done for us and promised to us that we can live lives filled with true joy and laughter regardless of the circumstances and shine for Christ wherever we go and whatever we face. If you are living in a time of of sunshine or shadow right now, I wonder... Where are your eyes fixed? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who is not absent from the world, but you are a God who who shines your glory upon this world. Lord, that we can see in creation, in all the good that is in the world, Lord, we see you shining through. And we see you shining through in your word to us. But Lord, we also know that this is not a perfect world, that this world is is broken. And Lord, we thank you that even in in the brokenness of this world, Lord, you shine again. You use that shadow. You use the darkness of this world, Lord, to, to help us to remember and to look to you, the one who brings light. Lord, we thank you that you have done great things for us. Lord, we thank you that you have sent your son 
to show us how to live, to die in our place so that we can be covered in his righteousness and stand before you as your children. Lord, we pray you will help us to remember that. Lord, help us to keep our eyes and our hearts fixed firmly on you as we walk through this world. Lord, help us to be shining examples of your sunshine for others. And Lord, when we face times of sunshine and shadow, Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. Help us to be filled with your joy and laughter and peace, no matter what circumstances we face. Lord, help us just to grow in our knowledge and our love of you. And Lord, build us as your people so that we can shine ever more brightly for you. Amen. As we come to pray for others, we do so with the encouragement of Paul, who writes to the church in Ephesus, telling them to keep on praying for all of the saints. And so we're going to do that. We're going to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, both locally and globally. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the privilege that it is to be part of the family of God and to bring the needs of others before you in prayer. So we pray for our children, the children of Kirkpatrick. Lord, praying that as they attend the virtual holiday Bible club this week, that they will discover that you are indeed the greatest treasure. We pray that those who haven't yet made a commitment to you as Lord and Saviour will do so. And that those who have already made that commitment would grow know that they would grow to know more and more about you and that they would be strengthened in their faith. And Lord, we pray too for our teens, especially those awaiting AS and A2 results. Lord, we pray that as they get those results this week, that they would know that their identity is not based on a set of results, but that their identity is based on the fact that if they're believers, they are children of the Almighty God, a God who has a desire to work in them and through them, whose purposes will be fulfilled in them and through them, and who has a role for them in his plans. And Lord, may they seek to discover what that might be, Lord, may they seek to have you at the centre of all that they are and all that they do. Lord, we pray too for those who mourn. Lord, whether that's because of the death of a loved one in the last couple of weeks or the last couple of months or, or longer, Lord, we, we pray for those in our church family who, for whom the pain of loss has still not subsided. Lord, we know that that does not disappear quickly. And so we pray for that ongoing comfort that you promise those who mourn. We pray for that ongoing peace that passes all understanding. That even in their loss of a loved one, they would know your presence in a very real way. And as we think of, of those who mourn and those who have suffered loss, Lord, we pray too for those who have been injured, those who have lost loved ones in that explosion in Beirut. But Lord, we thank you that even in the midst of that devastation, stories are coming out of how your church already are seeking to be salt and light. Lord, we pray that they might be able to bring physical and emotional and spiritual healing and hope into a situation that appears to be one of absolute hopelessness and despair. 
And Lord, even though they are the minority community, Lord, may they may they be absolute beacons in the midst of darkness that folk might see through their words, through their deeds, the one true living God, the one who is the hope of the nations. And Lord, we pray that too for this world in the midst of, of the pandemic. Lord, we pray especially for those regions where the healthcare systems are, are still under crisis. Lord, we pray for those regions that don't make it onto our news screens, those regions that that have so many poor, so many marginalised, those regions where governments are suppressing the news of what is going on. Lord, even there, Lord, may your church be rising up. Lord, may your church be reaching out to bring real hope to those who need it most. Lord, we thank you that you are the one who is the sovereign Lord. We thank you that you are over both nature and the nations. And we pray that you will take these prayers, that you will hear them, and that you will answer them according to your good purposes and for your glory. Amen. We are finishing our time of worship together now. Thanks to Mark and Caroline for their contribution and for Stephen for unpacking God's word for us. Life with Christ is an experience of redemption, of slavery to freedom, from wilderness to a land flowing of milk and honey, from darkness to light, from death to resurrection. God is always defined as someone who brings his people up from death to life. This psalm has been a great reminder that while we sow in tears, we reap in joy. That should be a great encouragement for us as we go out into this week. Somehow, God is planting in the soil of affliction and there will be a great harvest. As you head out into this week, may God, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit dwell in you, comfort you and guide you. Amen.